What worries college kids these days? The level of apathy or activism on campus? And how will reporters of the future tell our stories? We'll hear from the next generation of journalists in this special edition of Columbus on the Record. From the Battelle studio at WOSU at COSIDE, this is Columbus on the Record, WOSU-TV's weekly analysis of the top stories affecting Central Ohio. Joining Mike Thompson this week, Dan McKeever, a reporter with The Lantern, Ohio State University student newspaper. Ben Faree, a reporter with The Chimes, Capital University student newspaper. And Tom O'Hara, advisor to The Ohio State University Lantern. Welcome to the special edition of Columbus on the Record. This week we're taking a break from the weekly news grind to get a feel for what's on the mind of the next generation of journalists and news consumers, what issues are on the minds of young people, and is the next generation of journalists as worried about the future of media as some of us old fogies are. Let's start off with the issues. Dan McKeever, you're a special project reporter with The Lantern on the Ohio State campus. What's the What's the big off-campus issue that students at OSU are, are concerned about right now? As far as off-campus, crime is probably number one. Um, the area that we live in, that most students live in in the off-campus area, there's always a rash of crime. And so it's what happens when you get uh, a high concentration of people living in a very confined space with a lot of opportunities for crime with students who don't lock their doors and windows, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Crime is probably number one. Uh, but also Ohio State football and Ohio State <laughs> athletics in general is yeah. number one through five. Mm -hmm. And then you also have what the administration is doing. We have a very uh, very popular and very polarizing figure with Gordon Gee as our president. And so mm -hmm. students are always very interested to see what he's doing. We'll get to that more of that in a moment. Ben, the economy, is that a big issue that students are, are dealing with? A lot of students are worried about finding jobs after they graduate from college. They're trying to decide if they should go to graduate school and try to wait out the bad economy, but a lot of students are even worried if they're going to have enough money to continue college because summer jobs are being taken by people that have lost their normal jobs, and college students are the ones that's getting left out in the cold. So as you plan your, your papers, it's the Lantern, it's every day, the Chimes, it's, it's once a week, what's, what, what, what guides you as far as what story you put above the fold, so to speak? What's the big, is it the economy, is it is it crime on campus? Is it security? What? Usually it, it kind of writes itself. Um, a lot of times if there's something that's going on with the administration, we'll put that A1 above the fold. Anything with Ohio State athletics is always a big story. This is, I mean, that's what 90% of the student body cares about, so we have to put that mm -hmm. front and center. But uh, usually anything that involves uh, a lot of money moving around or anything that involves student life directly, mm -hmm. that affects the majority of the student population. Um, Normally, uh, we don't have athletics on the front page. Division three, it's not <laughs> as big of a deal as Ohio State. But uh, we, if there's something major that happens on campus with a student group, we try to focus on what the students are doing. And if the administration does anything out of the norm, we'll put that above. There's not a lot of crime in our area of town. There was a, there was a student that was robbed at gunpoint mm -hmm. uh, a few months ago, and that was probably the biggest story that happened in Capitol in quite some time. Okay. Tom, as, you're, as the advisor, this is... These are very focused audiences that are that are reading these newspapers, the student newspapers. You're obviously helping them decide to go after that audience and to find stories that are, are of interest to them. Yeah, I mean, I, I apply pretty much the same uh, standards that I, uh, I applied when I was in the real world of journalism. Uh, you know, is the, what's the best story? Now, now whether it's, uh, you know, somebody being held up at gunpoint or... Actually, this last quarter, we've, uh, we've been able to delve more uh, deeply into uh, 
there's a lot of lawsuits against Ohio State University, and if you can uh, get into those records, you can find out all sorts of fascinating uh, things about what's really going on, uh, you know, in some of the colleges and so forth. So, uh, on any given day, we just uh, uh, obviously we try to schedule our 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 bigger, more complex uh, stories so that uh, we sort of uh, roll them out on mm-hmm. a, on, a, on a regular basis. Um, and occasionally, like I said, there's uh, there's breaking news. We had that uh, building, Hitchcock Hall, where there was a histoplasmosis story and so forth. Uh, that was sort of a breaking story. So where several employees were getting sick, and yeah, several of them, two of them were very, very, very sick. sick. Yes. Yeah, right. So uh, it's not like we. Um, I mean, we don't with the lantern. We try not to uh, use wire stories. I mean, we just try to use uh, stories um, uh, written by our uh, our staff members and that are about. Uh, things that are happening on the Ohio State campus, you know, I'm, I, I've uh, I told people, don't worry about what's going on in Columbus. Don't worry about, you know, uh, you know these general stories. I don't want 20-year-olds writing about the economy when they don't really understand what's going on. Uh, we just try to keep it focused on uh, w- what's happening on the campus. And y- when you've got 50,000 students and 30,000 employees, I mean, that's a large community to cover. One issue that does cross into the campus from the, from the real world is the whole debate over education funding and how much support higher education gets and not only direct funding for schools but you know education support and, and student aid and that kind of thing what's what's been the what's the vibe on campus right there one of the big stories that I wrote about this quarter was uh, there were major cuts to the Ohio College Opportunity Grant made by the state this was sort of the counterbalance to the state helping Ohio State maintain a tuition freeze for resident undergraduates for three consecutive years mm-hmm. so while the cost of college stayed low the amount of money that was made available for students and this is need-based aid who needed the money to go to college was reduced so Ohio State tried to move some money around to fill in the gaps but they were only able to do it for half the year the other half students are gonna have to take out loans etc so it's always a hot topic uh, with the economy education always gets pushed to the forefront because you get cuts to public education you get more people going back to school it's something people are definitely concerned about especially with their families if you have parents that are losing jobs you had yeah. two incomes and now you have one and you still have multiple children in college it's it's a significant concern Ben is the story different on a private school's campus it is different the the grant that uh, he talked about mentioned there are students on capital that received that grant as well, mm-hmm. and it's a problem for them when they have to find another way to get the money. But as a private school, the the cuts for public funding don't really uh, affect us. It only we only get the uh, inadvertent effects when it comes to the grants and stuff that affects the students more personally than the university on the whole. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan, you mentioned a polarizing figure, Dr. Gee, Gordon Gee, the president of Ohio State. Off campus, we primarily hear positive things about him. What's the students' take on? Ohio State's president? It really depends on the student. Um, I think probably his his approval rating is fairly high. He's a very dynamic figure. Yeah, he's somebody that everybody on campus knows his name, knows what he looks like. He really has made an effort in his first few years on his second go-around here uh, to reach out into students' lives. But at the same time, there are some students who disapprove of a lot of things he's done. One of the, the major knocks on, on Dr. Gee throughout his career as an administrator has been that he, ter- he tends to treat higher education like it's a business, like a Fortune 500 company. And while that's one of his strengths, some students historically have not liked the the way that it's actually been manifested on their campuses. So, for instance, uh, one of the popular features of football Saturdays on Ohio State's campus was a tailgate party called Heinegate. Yes. And it was rowdy, it was raunchy, you know, but there were a lot of students that really liked it. And so, 
it used to be held at the Holiday Inn starting in 1984. Ohio State bought the Holiday Inn and turned it into dorms. The party got smaller. It moved next door to another building that was also Ohio State was the landlord for the owners of that building. And uh, they eventually, when that building fell behind on its rent payments, Ohio State evicted them, and Heine Gate is no more. And a lot of students that I've spoken to tend to place the blame for that on Dr. Gee. Whether that's fair or not is not for me to say. But uh, So it depends on which type of student it is. For students that... Uh, care very deeply about Ohio State athletics. I would say some of them are concerned, mm -hmm. but uh, for the most part, I think it's fairly positive. More concerned than the move to semesters? I don't think that's a trouble. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Heinegate versus move to semesters. Yeah. <laughs> Heinegate gets all the press. Our next topic, the cliche is that kids these days don't care about health care. They don't care about budget deficits and education funding. But the 2008 presidential campaign displayed that political activism is alive on college campuses and is alive among young people. Ben Free, from your reporting experiences at Capitol, have students maintained that level of activism from 2008? 2008 really gave us a big jump start in the political activism. Uh, Capitol had every major political uh, presidential candidate on campus. John McCain and Sarah Palin were both there. Michelle Obama came to talk about uh, her husband's campaign, and Chuck Baldwin of the Libertarian Party even came down. We were really well represented. And I think it got a lot of students interested. A few new student groups got started there. The Student Peace Alliance is a political group that got started in 2008. And they've really carried over into 2009 because they're a fairly new group. But there has been some drop-off as far as political activism. There's not that dynamic political motivated like there was with President Obama trying to get elected. Uh, people just don't care that much about midterm senator races. The, the main thing on campus right now is the environment. A lot of students are really involved with that. Mm -hmm. We have a program called Charity Water on campus where students are trying to raise money for, to build wells in Africa to uh, make sure that everyone can get clean water supplies. And that's really been what people have been concerned about this year. Dan, health care reform doesn't affect students in a lot of ways, except for under one of the reform plans, students will be able to maintain their parents' health insurance policies longer. How, how interested our students in and health care reform, which is the dominant topic of the day among older folks. During the presidential campaign of last fall, um, the Ohio State campus was really transformed. You saw a lot of student activism, a lot of people writing in chalk on the sidewalks, a lot of rallies on the Oval to support one candidate or the other. Um, Barack Obama had the overwhelming presence on campus. Uh, but now that the campaign is over, um, I don't feel that health care is really something that's stuck around in the mind of students. Mm -hmm. It's not really an issue that many people in our generation think about, at least not at this age. And so I would say that it's probably not one of the top pressing concerns of students. I, I give a quiz in my <laughs> journalism uh, class uh, every week. And uh, it, it's based on the textbook. You know, it's about journalism. But I throw in two uh, either uh, campus or uh, just current events questions. Mm -hmm. And these questions are questions like, who is the Secretary of State of the United States? And there are many students in this high-level journalism class who do not know the answer to that. They don't know who the president of Afghanistan is. They don't know the capital of Afghanistan. I even ask them what continent Pakistan is on. And I get answers like the Middle East. So anybody try to tell me that uh, students are uh, intensely interested in current affairs or have any grasp, really, of what's going on, I'm dubious. And, uh, um, and, and uh, part of it is... Uh, they get the news off the internet. I ask them, where do you get your news? 
They get their news off the internet. Well, they're not getting news off the internet. They're getting their uh, fantasy league football statistics, <laughs> and uh, they're getting uh, you know a celebrity news. Well, let's give you know? let's give the young people a chance to defend themselves. Dan and Ben, what are your th what thoughts on that? I, I do go to the internet for a lot of my news. My homepage is MSN, where I just get all my news there. But I think it just depends on the internet is a good source for news if that's truly what you're looking for. If you're looking to find out about Pakistan or the president of Afghanistan. There are plenty of websites that will give you legitimate information about that that comes from good news sources. Mm -hmm. Every major newspaper nowadays has a website where you can find that sort of news. I guess it's just, it just depends on the students. It's that 90% of the students don't go there. Yeah. I, I would agree that there's okay. a lot of people right. that just, that's not what they're looking for. No, they're not. It really depends on the student. You know, on Ohio State's campus, you have a massive student body. And so you could pick out 3,000 students at random, and you would find that there were a, a, a few of them that could tell you the president of Afghanistan or the capital of Afghanistan or what's going on in Pakistan. But when you get that many people with that diversity of viewpoints, diversity of interests, you're not going to have... Uh, an overwhelming population that's aware of world events. Now, your international relations students or your international business students, maybe. Yeah. But it's it's just um, like a, I think Tom's right that um, a lot of young people are not as interested as they should be. Is it any different, Tom, than, you know, when I went to college 20, 25 years ago, my professor gave the same quiz, mm -hmm. and he asked every single quiz, what is the Dow Jones Industrial Average? And he said he's going to keep asking that question until we all got it right. It took him about two months. I mean, we knew it was coming. We still didn't look up the answer. Right. So, I mean, is it just that kids are kids at, these, at that age and they aren't paying yes. attention until they're paying a lot of taxes or the uh, kids are in see, school? See, uh, you know, I went to school uh, during uh, Vietnam, and there was a draft. If you want to uh, increase student uh, awareness and activism, reinstitute the draft. Until, until there's something that personally is going to affect them, drag them away from their girlfriend and send them out with a gun and somebody's going to be shooting at them, they're not going to really be paying much attention. You know what I mean? I don't think that for the most part they see much connection between the life they're living and what uh, the people are doing, uh, you know, in downtown Columbus at the State House or uh, even in Washington. President Obama is increasing the troop level in Afghanistan, 30,000 troops. What What's the interest level in, on campus among the young people? About the same as healthcare, to be honest. Uh, like Tom said, it doesn't affect them directly, so I think a lot of people tune out. Whereas the, the success of their entire weekend hinges on how well Ohio State's football team plays, and so they're <laughs> going to be directly plugged into that. But I look back at what happened in the, the 1960s and 1970s with the level of political activism on campus, the amount that people cared about their student newspapers, and it makes me envious, frankly. Um, uh, my uncle likes to tell the story about how he was run out of town at the college he attended because of an editorial he wrote in the student newspaper. I couldn't believe somebody actually read an editorial in the student newspaper, cared about it, and they cared about it enough to run him out of town. You know, I, that makes me envious. I wish <laughs> more people cared that deeply about what I wrote. He wants to be run out of town. <laughs> it's, it's true that the students and, for that part, people in general aren't going to be interested in something until it directly affects them. This war, unlike a lot of others, we haven't been asked to sacrifice as much. It hasn't hit home and for personal as much as that is and people with are more likely to know how many kids John and Kate have than the number of <laughs> troops that President Obama increased it by. Yeah, so it's not a whole lot different. I mean, I'm, if you took a, a survey among some in the Central Ohio commu uh, community, they might know, you know, Terrell Pryor's stats more than the members of the cabinet. Yeah, I think it's only like 30% uh, of, uh, uh, of adults uh, vote in midterm. I mean, you know, so yeah. I mean, and 50% vote in the presidential election. I mean, so that's a that's a hundred, uh, well, that's only like, uh, what, 150 million out of 300 million people. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that, aren't, that w weren't even involved in the, in the presidential election. So um, 
to expect 20-year-olds to be uh, any more uh, interested or involved is, uh, there's a few, there's always a few in yeah. class who know, all, who know all the uh, current events questions and have thought about these things, but for the most part, it's, um, it's, the, uh, it's the sports mm -hmm. and celebrities. Mm -hmm. and, and I think, you know, uh, a part of the Obama thing is just that he became a celebrity. You know, Could people be. people just embraced him and Sarah Palin and all. It was just a celebrity outburst, really. Good. Let's get to our next topic. We hear it nearly every month, at least. Uh, another newspaper is cutting staff or offering buyouts. We hear it every day. The web is killing newspapers, killing local investigative journalism. Dan, how's the lantern doing? Well. One thing is that you're never going to stop the march of scientific progress. People say, well, we're going to have to fight back against Google. We're going to have to fight back against search engines. It's, you're not going to win. You can try, but you're not going to win. Mm -hmm. One thing that you do need to do is embrace the web, embrace the fact that the news cycle has gotten to be instantaneous, and figure out a way to monetize that. So at a student newspaper, we're not subject to a lot of the same market forces that a lot of your major newspapers are. Um, we're subject to some, but at the same time, we still have the advantage of having a, a hyper-local concentrated market. So we, have, we are the news source for a student body of 50,000. So we have that advantage. But as far as the way the actual industry is going, the, the internet, I think it is fair to say that the internet is killing newspapers, but I don't know if that's necessarily even a bad thing. So you're not, you don't have the distribution cost that the Columbus Dispatch has, having to send papers over every over large areas, you know the salary cost that a, a major well, daily having costs. a free workforce always helps. Yeah, but uh, or, or mostly free. But we still have the trucks. We yeah. still have the print and the ink. Um, mm -hmm. It's just a matter of we have a, a base that we are the exclusive. We have a monopoly on giving Ohio State news essentially. So that's attractive to advertisers, even in a tough economy, I would guess. Right, and yeah. college students are a very targeted audience. You don't have to put much guesswork involved in what to advertise to college students. Beer specials, pizza. Ben, ben you're, the Chimes is a weekly paper. You're still printing. We're still printing. We print um, a thousand issues a week. We're a much smaller student body than OSU, yeah. and we'll fluctuate between 1,500 papers and a thousand in circulation, depending on the, how how we see the students are picking them up. We don't want to waste money on having papers left over. But our website has really taken off in the past years. Uh, we get upwards of 17,000 hits a month, which is far higher than it has been in the past. And we're getting to a point where we can sell advertising on the web and make money not only in our print but also in our online uh, capacities. The Lantern and the Chimes, nice websites. The Lantern's been sort of dipping your toe in the water into video on demand on the web and that kind of podcasting, that kind of we've thing. Been, yeah, this year in particular we've been doing uh, you know, much more of it. Uh, I mean, all of the students in my class have to do at least one video and uh, you know, we have a, a multimedia editor and two assistants and so forth. So we do uh, more video, we do uh, uh, photo slideshows, photo galleries, uh, we have a podcast, we do a, uh, th every Thursday evening we do a webcast, which we just started uh, this year, so uh, you know, it's like three, four minutes and it mm -hmm. summarizes the news. So we're uh, obviously exploring, uh, you know, all those avenues, just, uh, just in terms of educating the students, I mean, they need to know about these things, whether, I mean, frankly, None of it's getting a whole lot of traffic. I mean, our website, which is a heck of a lot better than it used to be, gets like 8,000, mm -hmm. you know, hits a day, you know. And uh, a lot of them apparently from alumni because 60% uh, of it is from outside Columbus. You know, New York City is the second largest uh, source of our, uh, our hits on our website. This fear, this, it's actually happened in some cities where the, where the print paper has gone away or cut back its circulation to a couple of days during the week. Will the student newspaper, the actual handheld student newspaper, always be there, do you think? 
I don't think so. No. I think in the future you're not going to have any print newspapers. Forty years down the line, I no. think it would be the equivalent of seeing a typewriter or seeing you know a horse and buggy. It's mm -hmm. uh, it's really becoming an outmoded means of conveying information. And what we what we are is an information-based industry. We we make our money by conveying symbols to people. And if you can get those symbols for free and faster, and the moment they happen on the internet, why would you pay for a piece of paper the next morning? So I don't think student newspapers will be immune. I think they'll probably stick around a little bit longer because they have a a more solid base of support, but I think that it's something that we need to embrace and figure out how to make money from. Ben, isn't it, you lose something though. If you're walking through campus and you see, you know, the chimes sitting on the on the rack in the dorm lobby or something like that, that's not as hard, it's not as it's it's easier to pick that up than it is to go to the internet. Yeah, and look that's at what I was about to say. I think that student newspapers are gonna, like you said, last longer. Because it's it's an impulse thing that people will see that, oh, I wonder what's going on today. For the students that might not normally seek out that information on the internet, when you're going online, it's because you, you want to go there and you want to get involved. And like we just said, that's something that students aren't always doing. If someone picks up the chimes and then they'll leave it in a coffee shop somewhere, somebody else could pick that up and read about it. And that might lead them to go online. But I think the print, for the time being, in such a localized place is yeah. what's going to be... You know, at the Lantern, 95% of our income comes from uh, ink on paper advertising. Mm -hmm. So, the, 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 you know, the, you can't stop printing the, uh, the, the Lantern anytime soon because it won't be a Lantern, yeah. you know? There would be no money coming in. Same as the, as the big boys, as the, as the right, dailies. Right, right, right. I mean, everybody's talking about the, di you know, the digital world and so forth. It's not generating money. Yeah. Uh, so. so let's get to our last topic. So what lies ahead? What will the journalist of the future look like? Will he or she be using Twitter or some other short attention span medium to report the news? Tom, I have two things I have in my pocket. I've got my Strunken White, and I've got good, good, good. my Blackberry. Right, right. <laughs> Which right. is more important? Strunken White. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because uh, as, as, I, as I tell people, um, when people are in my class, I'm teaching them the basics of journalism, okay? Mm -hmm. And uh, it's basically how to get the information, how to assess the information, how to convey the information. And basically, that requires a brain and the ability to think clearly. And I think if you, if you have a brain and the ability to think clearly, you'll be able to prosper you know, out in the world. If you can't, uh, you won't. And I don't care whether you're going around with as many uh, toys as you want. You know what I mean? The toys are just ways to convey, uh, to convey the thinking. So. Um, uh, you know, I think the, the basics of, uh, I say journalism, but the basics of just of clear thinking need to be, need to be taught, they need to be learned, and um, uh, so Strunken Wagnalls is, is clearly the more important element there. But Ben and Dan, you have to know how to use, to, to sell yourself to future employers, you have to know more than just how to take good notes and how to, how to write a story at a keyboard. You have to know these other tools, I would, I would guess. I think we're going to see a, a move towards journalists doing more than just reporting. We're going to see journalists that also edit their own stories and put the video together so they can send it out as fast as they can because when they're the ones reporting it and then they're the ones also editing the video, they'll be able to get it online faster than if they have to send it to another person who's going to have to edit it. So I think we're really just going to see a, a convergence of jobs all into one mm -hmm. uh, person who's going to have to do all sorts of things. Dan, is that, you've sort of grown up in this, so I guess it's, for somebody, you know, of our generation maybe, we're used to the notepad and the pen and then the, just the typewriter or the keyboard, this stuff can be scary, but you're used to this stuff. 
Well, when you first pull those two things out, the first thing that I thought is, if you have a Kindle, you can actually get Strunk and White <laughs> in your handheld device and take it with you on the bus or on your car or to mm -hmm. work or wherever you need to go. Like I said, nobody's going to stop the march of scientific progress. We're always going to have more toys. We'll be faster, smarter, more capable. Eventually, you get things like the iPhone that can basically do everything from the palm of your hand wherever you go. And I think that's a good thing. I think that people get information faster and, and it's... Well, it's a good thing, except there won't be any content. There won't be any content. If you can't, uh, you know, if you don't have a news organization that makes enough money mm -hmm. to pay quality journalists, it's just going to be crap on that BlackBerry and iPhone and yeah. iPod. Is it, how are, you, how are you teaching student journalists to do it all now? Because you can't just spend all your time on the story. If you have to spend time editing video and shooting video, you can't spend as much time researching well, and doing but you the facts know, it's and stuff. You, you, know, you don't have to be a rocket scientist mm -hmm. to point a video camera and get some audio, really. Mm -hmm. It's not that complicated, you know? I mean, we're training mm -hmm. people, you know? Uh, but uh, uh, the bottom line is, these videos, uh, these, these beautiful video stories, digital stories, nobody's looking at them. You know what I mean? You ask mm -hmm. people at the dispatch, you, you ask any main, mainstream, large mainstream newspaper, they send a photographer and a reporter out and they get this wonderful, uh, uh, you know, uh, 10 minutes on unemployed workers. Okay. Nobody's looking at it. You're looking at one though, right? <laughs> Buckeyes, right? I think, I think part of the problem oh, well, is, that, of is that, part of the problem is that people are terrible. Yeah. Um, like Tom said earlier, half of people don't vote. So how do you expect them to read a, pick up a newspaper and read about, you know, uh, very complicated uh, civic issues that are going on in their neighborhood? And, unless they have a vested financial interest in something, they don't care, which is why I think in the future, we're, what we're going to be looking at as far as newspapers, I think most newspapers are going to be structured as nonprofit corporations. I think a lot of them will be opinion newspapers okay. as opposed to covering things from an objective point of view. I don't think that there's the market for it. Let's get to our weekly off-the-record comments from our panel, some final thoughts, some predictions for the months and years ahead from our panel. Dan McKeever from the OSU Lantern, you're up first. Uh, I think this kind of goes along with what we've been saying is that as a journalist, as somebody who's trying to break into the field at a time when it's contracting, one thing that you, the best thing you can do for yourself is to try to figure out how to add value to yourself as, as a journalist, as somebody who can work for an employer. So you need to figure out what can I do that's unique, that's better than anybody else can do at this task that nobody else even knows how to do. Once you figure out how to add value to your product, you can actually figure out a way to make money in journalism. And it's, it's a dire prospect right now, but I think if you can figure out a way to make yourself irreplaceable then you'll actually succeed in the field. Ben? I think the Tiger Woods saga has given us a glimpse into the future of journalism. The 24-hour news cycle is killing news because it's making it about profit instead of about things that actually matter. On a weekend, like we said, where President Obama announced a troop escalation in Afghanistan, the more important story was an athlete playing the field mm -hmm. just because they needed something for profits. Because the other places were doing it, they needed to draw in that public audience. Tom, real quick. Newspapers used to make 40, 30, 40 percent return, you know, writing substantive news stories. Uh, you know, Tiger Woods stories and stuff, they're not going to save newspapers. I, I think uh, 30 years from now, uh, basically, quality journalism as we know it, unless someone figures out the secret mm -hmm. business model, which a lot of smart people have not, never, have not done yet, I think quality journalism will be gone. All right, that is Columbus on the record for this week. Check out our website, WOSU.org where you can get streaming video and our link to Facebook. For our crew at WOSU at Coastline and our panel, have a good week.